Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Selfishness is the top of these end-time wickedness. Selfishness. The number one thing. People will be lovers of themselves, their own agendas. So why do I need to be reminded? Why do you need to be reminded that a good friend is going to be generous and not selfish? Because my sin nature is selfish. I have to overcome that all the time in my life, just as you do. A famous now retired pro football player was known for saying, I love me some me. (laughs) The Bible tells us that because of sin, we all mimic that saying in one way or another. As Christ followers, however, we are to imitate Jesus. He was the epitome of selflessness. Pastor Mark is teaching about God's having chosen to use us as his ambassadors to declare his love to the world and our obstacles to successfully fulfilling that role. We've simply got to let go of our fears and insecurities and allow God's Spirit to flow through us and touch those around us for His glory. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 2 of his message, Real Friends. What are the characteristics of a good friend, a real friend? Let me give you about four of them this morning. First one I want you to write down is this. A real friend is available. Look at verse 20. Paul says, I have no one else like him, Timothy, who takes a genuine interest in your affair or your welfare. You see, Timothy is with Paul. Timothy is available. Wherever God has you right now, God wants to use you right now. So often, before we get involved with people, we go, well, you know, I may be moving past tomorrow, they're moving my job, and they're changing, or I'm going to college, and I'm not going to be here for three years, why would I want to make friends with people here? We have all these crazy, stupid excuses. Let me just say this to you. Well, let me, let me say it like this. Anybody breathing? Anybody breathing? Let's breathe together. Here we go. One, two, three. Okay. Everybody's breathing. Praise God. By the way, if you're not, we have medical people. We take care of you. No problem. Now, if you're breathing, look at me. Read my lips. You're available. You're available. I didn't say you were willing, but you are available. So when Paul looks... He's a little discouraged because as he looks around, he discovers, well, he doesn't have a lot of good real friends. See, all I want to challenge you with this morning is this. 
Wherever God has you, you be a friend there. You're available. See what God wants to do in your life to touch other people. Now, many of you have heard this little statement. I went outside to be a friend, but could not find one there. I went inside to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. Some people, when they come to a church our size, they just say this. Church is too big. Church is unfriendly. I'm not into tattoos, but if I would, I'd tattoo this sucker right on my forehead for him. Look at this verse. This is a great verse. It's found in Proverbs. Look what it says. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So what does the Bible say? If you want to have friends, you have to what? Be a friend. You have to go out of your way. You have to be a friend. So somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Mark, this church is unfriendly. I say, anybody you invited to your house? Well, no, I'm waiting for them. Hello. The Bible says, no, you yourself must first be friendly. Let me give you a couple little guidelines to remain lonely with no friends. Some of you won't write these down because actually you can give me many more probably, but I'll just give you a few. Number one, here's how to remain lonely. Never take the first step in a relationship. Sit and wait for others to make the first move. You're out there griping and ganguzuing and church is too big, can't find it. It's an unfriendly church. By the way, this is not an unfriendly church. That's your problem. Number two, avoid any small group at all costs. Never get involved, but stay safely hidden in the masses. Some of you don't even want to go to Vieira because it's getting huge. You could do it in Vera. You can't do it in Orlando and you can't do it in Sebastian, but you love this church. Because see, there's six, eight thousand people here on this campus every day. So you could just come in and get you can sit right down in the seat. Take your Bible, take your notes, just get right on the seat and go right to the car. <laughs> Hi, how are you? And you're hidden in the masses. And you know nobody in this room. And then your statement is, it's an unfriendly church. No, you're unfriendly. And, read my lips, you're lonely. It's time to do something about it. Let me give you one more step. Remain lonely. Number three, love things and use people. Don't bother making friends with people unless they can somehow increase your worth. See, if you look for people that can just help you, but you're not going to help them, before long, you won't have any friends. It's got to go two ways. So don't, don't do that. Don't try to do life alone. Open up, be real, develop friendships. You take the first step. A real friend is available. To do whatever is needed. Look at verse 21. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, what is Paul saying? Watch me. It's very simple. Let's just picture one of our campuses as the church at Rome. Paul established a group of believers at Rome. So he looks out among all the Roman believers. And he says, I can't find anybody to take this letter to the Philippian church. I have to get Timothy. 
I can't find anybody in all of this church to do what I want to do. You see, the people in the Roman church, they were available, but they weren't willing. All of us are available. The key is a real friend will be willing. You see, no doubt Paul thought to himself, well, what's up with this? I taught all these people in the Roman church not to be selfish, to work for the things of Christ. But what's up with this? Why aren't they willing to serve me? Why aren't they willing to go and do at least this one little thing, just take a trip to Philippine and come back? Why not? The answer Paul gave us. They're only thinking of themselves. The answer to that question comes from this verse, Philippians 2.4. Paul says this, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let me give you a definition. Number two, a real friend is generous. Not only available, but a real friend is generous. Now, what does generous mean? Write this down. It means not selfish. Not selfish with what? My time, my resources, my gifting, my money, and myself. You see, when that person calls from the airport in Tampa, and they're a real friend, a selfish person goes, hmm, think not. In fact, you know what? I'll even pay for AAA to come fix your car. I'm not coming over there. You see, sometimes we can give, and we can solve a situation, but we don't want to get involved. No, that's not right. So, a real friend is going to be generous. They're not just going to think about themselves. Certainly, we're going to think about ourselves, but we're going to be thinking about others, and we're going to be thinking about doing Christ's work. Let's just take a seal a moment for just a second. Seal a moment just means this. Stop, pause, and think about it. Just yourself now. Just think. Are you a generous person? Are you a giver? Or do most people know you as a taker? You just siphon off. But when somebody really needs you, hmm, don't think so. See, if that's true, you'll never have real friends. We're supposed to be selfless. We're supposed to be generous, giving of ourselves. There was a blind girl who hated herself because she was blind. She hated life. She hated everything, except for one thing, her loving boyfriend. He was always there for her. She told her boyfriend, if I could only see the world, if somehow my eyes would be healed, I would, I would marry you. One day, amazingly, a person came and donated a pair of eyes to her. When the bandages came off, for the very first time in her life, she was able to see the world, including her amazingly loyal boyfriend. He remembered what she said, and he asked her, well, now that you can see the world, will you marry me? And the girl looked at her boyfriend, and for the first time saw that he was blind. The sight of his closed eyelids shocked her. She hadn't expected that. The thought of looking at those closed eyelids for the rest of her life was too much for her to handle. And she said, I, I'm sorry, but I can't marry you. 
Her boyfriend was crushed. He left in tears. A couple of days later, he sat down and wrote a, a goodbye letter to her. And it said this. Take good care of your eyes, my dear. For before they were yours, they were mine. Are you a giver? Are you a taker? That's a pretty challenging story. Now, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. Keep your finger, we'll be right back. 2 Timothy. I want to show you why, if we're not careful, we're takers. We're very selfish. We want to just look to our own deal. We don't really care too much about others. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1. Paul is writing, and he's telling us what it's going to be like as we get closer and closer to the rapture and the second coming and the tribulation. As the world gets closer and closer to the end, what it's going to look like. What are the headlines going to look like? By the way, as I read this, you read the headlines. Just get on CNN or Fox or whatever, you'll see these headlines. Look at verse 1, 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, in other words, pay attention. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Wow, what an ugly list. But I want you to notice something amazingly. Notice what Paul wrote. Selfishness is the top of these end-time wickedness. Selfishness. The number one thing. People will be lovers of themselves, their own agendas. So why do I need to be reminded? Why do you need to be reminded that a good friend is going to be generous and not selfish? Because my sin nature is selfish. I have to overcome that all the time in my life, just as you do. So a real friend is going to be generous, and they're going to reach out to help, and they're going to say to you, whatever you need for me to do, I'll do. I'm here for you. That's the kind of person you want to be, and that's the kind of person I want in a real friend. By the way... I want to thank all of you that call CCM on our campuses your home. A few weeks ago, we did this thing called the Fall Festival. And we needed you. We needed thousands of you to donate time and money and candy and decorate your cars and cook the food. And you guys came through amazingly beautiful. You were so generous. Thank you. Because, see, God used you to touch people outside what? To make God look good. So thank you for using your time and giving of yourself. You are not selfish. You're an amazing group of people. Now look back. Your finger's there. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 22. And in this verse, I want you to circle a word. But you know that Timothy has proved. Circle the word. He's proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. 
And I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things will go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So Paul says, I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. I'd really like to send Timothy. By the way, when Timothy comes, it's just like I'm coming. Timothy's proved himself. So the third thing you want to write about a real friend is this. A real friend is reliable. Is reliable. A real friend is reliable, consistent, and trustworthy. When Paul gives this letter to Timothy, and Timothy delivers it and reads it, it's as if Paul was there to read it. Now let me ask you a question about a real friend. Proved yourself. When you just say the word proved, proved equals this. It takes time to prove ourselves. It takes time to show us that we're reliable. If you own a car and you're looking for a used car, you go to one of these magazines, Edwards or whatever, and you look and so how reliable is it? Well, how do they give you the rating? It's proven itself over all these years. So what is Paul saying? He says, I trust Timothy with my life. By the way, this is very important. Timothy was perfectly happy being number two man. Paul wasn't worried. Hmm, I think Timothy is going to try to get in here and take over for me. He's going to try to grow his own people away from me. You know, we see that in businesses and churches and all kinds of... Just exert myself. No, he'd proven himself. He's happy being number two man. By the way, you need to know... I'm very comfortable with the guys who speak for me here. Pastor Dean, Pastor Dave, Pastor Bo. When they speak for me here, I'm very comfortable. When I leave this place and go on a mission trip or take a vacation or whatever, when these guys stand here, I trust them with my life. Why? Because they've proven themselves. That's a great thing for me. By the way, if you're married, you understand what proven is, what reliable is. When I lay my life down every night, go to the bed, pop my pillow down, and I look over my wife. I never once have to think this. Hmm. Wonder if she called somebody today. Wonder if she's having an affair. And she never has to worry about me ever. Is that a good thing? That's a great thing. That's a rare thing. Well, how did that happen? How has she been reliable? Because she's proven it. And I've proven it. See, by the way, your best friend, if you're married, should be your spouse. It's a beautiful thing to go to sleep. Now, we're far from perfect. We might even fussed a little bit. She's usually wrong about a few things, so we... <laughs> I correct her in the morning, and we're fine. That's why I have this stitching right here, right here. We had a little... It was good, because the numbers of you have stopped me over the last few weeks. What's that band-aid on your head, Pastor Mark? I'm worried about you. I said, no, it's just a basal cell cancer. It's all removed. Everything's fine. Thanks. See, that's caring. That's caring. Paul says, I trust Timothy. He's proven himself. Let me ask you a question this morning. You proved yourself as a friend? Some of you won't reach out because you had a trusted friend, but they stabbed you in the back. And now you're afraid to trust again. Get over it. Forgive them. Get you a new friend. At the moment, they can't be trusted. That's all right. You know, when we have adultery and we counsel adultery, 
there's one key problem. It takes time. It takes usually six to nine months to 12 months to get couples through that thing of adultery. They get through it. We do fine. What's the whole issue? Trust. And it can't be rushed. It must be proven. So when we look for people as elders or pastors, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a track record. They have to have proven themselves, and this is exactly what happened. See, how did Timothy become this amazing, reliable man? Because he watched the Apostle Paul, and he mimicked his life. Well, that's Timothy, number one friend. Look at verse 25. We're introduced to the second friend that Paul has, somebody you're not familiar with. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. Now, if you type that into your computer, you're going to have to add it to the dictionary because it's clueless about who that is. Epaphroditus, my brother, notice, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Let me just introduce you to who Epaphroditus is. He was a man, a follower of Christ, in the church at Philippi. And the people at Philippi came together and they said to this Epaphroditus, you're available. And I know you'll be willing. I want you to take an offering. So the church took up an offering and sent it to Paul because he's in prison. He doesn't have any way to make any money. And they provided some of the necessities. But they also said this. Not only do we want you to go there, but we want you to stay in Rome and serve Paul by being his personal attendant. So we see another character trait, the fourth one of a real friend. A real friend is caring. You see, Epaphroditus could have gone and said, I'm doing my duty. Here's the money. Okay, what do you want me to do? I've been assigned to take care of you for a little while. What do you want me to do? I hope it's not too much. See, sometimes we, sometimes we can do things for people because we have to. But that's not a real friend. A real friend cares for the person, not just the activity. You see, Epaphroditus was a caring person. And I know this because Paul calls him my brother, my fellow worker, they're a team, and my fellow soldier. What's the deal with a fellow soldier? Strange term. Do you know that as a family here at CCM, we're fellow soldiers? As you sit here in this service, we're in a battle right now against Satan and his demons. It's a spiritual war. It's going on right now. There's all kinds of things coming in and out of your head right now. And where do you think that came from? Satan. Some of you have almost turned me off. I've been hurt too much. No way I'm trusting again. Where did that thought come from? Satan. By the way, he's a liar. And so as we're in this battle, we understand that this lifestyle of following Jesus is very demanding. And in this battle, I need people who are friends. So do you. You see, we need trustful, reliable, caring, available friends. Today, Pastor Mark spent time teaching us what the Bible had to say a true friend was like. We were shown that the Apostle Paul had only a few good friends that he could trust with the important task of traveling to Philippi. This showed us that although many people may claim to be a friend, a true friend shows up and helps when times get rough. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude the teaching, Real Friends. He will talk about the character traits of true friends. Availability in times of trouble, generosity, and reliability are some of those qualities that friends need to have. We all appreciate our friends because of the way they help us out and make our lives more manageable. Hopefully, we do the same for them. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.